Welcome to every album ever with Mike and Alex. My name is Michael Stewart, and I'm joined as always this time over Skype once again by my lovely, happy co-host Alexander Volt. Say hello. Hello. This is every album ever podcast. Oh God. This is every album <laughs> ever. The podcast where we listen to every single album in the world. One artist at a time. That's a whole new discography per episode. And today we'll be discussing every album by Porno for Pyros. Porn of a power is a, a nice short discography, which means that we are behind schedule. Is that right? I wouldn't say we're behind schedule as much as uh, we're trying to get ahead. Yeah, that's a nice way of looking at it. Yes. Uh, we, uh, we have episodes in the bank. We're good. We're good. It's just, we're just making sure we stay there. Uh, exactly. For, for the, uh, go ahead and check out our episode on Jane's Addiction that we've done that we did a million years ago. Uh, because uh, for those who don't know, Porn of Pyros is 50% of Jane's Addiction and a different band, mostly, sort of. Yes, a band that I had no idea included Mike Watt. <laughs> Mike Watt, not only is he a, a member now, <laughs> but he was a member briefly when they in the 90s. Complete news to me. I'm delighted to check out an episode of the Minuteman, by the way, because Mike Watt yeah. is, is literally one of my is one of the greatest bass players of all time. Probably my number one favorite bass player ever. Um, so that's delightful. It's like Mike Watt is the is the dude that every old band who reunites grabs because they know he's gonna get the job done. Like this, he was he he was this with the Stooges before they finally broke up for good. He's the only person i've seen play in a gigantic arena and then also play at like a small venue like over in la called the smell dude he's the most efficient i've never seen another musician like play such varying venues like that he's he's a man he's a he's he's i always consider him like the the musical equivalent of a plumber where he just he just goes there to get the job done. He has he always he wears a flannel tucked in <laughs> to his jeans. He doesn't he's a not, he's a real dude. He's, he's no ego. He just shows up to do the job and he does the job well. He's a, he's a, yes, he's a tradesman, but of a yes. base. Blue blue collar baseman. Dude, I mean the most blue collar. Still in San Pedro, I think to this day. <laughs> dude rules. Uh, so he's here not on any of these albums because on these albums we got. Mr. Martin Lenoble, and oh, this is this is delightful. I hope you guys like crack because this band sure did. It this anytime you bring up Perry Farrell, there's just oh, you're gonna things. get yeah, horrible. you're gonna get stories and characters and illegal activity and dude, the guy sucks. He still sucks. <laughs> He's a horrible human being. But I got it. I got it. I like. I love his voice. I can't help it. <laughs> he is. He does have one of the most unique voices in in rock music. I think definitely. So, uh, I'm a quick refresher on Jane's Addiction. I, I don't. You weren't a huge Jane's Addiction fan. No, but I will say nothing shocking is amazing. Like I, it's it's an amazing album. I can't deny that album. Everything yeah, after yeah. that, I don't, I don't care. For. Uh, I, I like Jane's Addiction quite a bit. Nothing shocking, I think, is an absolute masterpiece. Um, Ritual, Dillo Ritual. I, I debated with Tom, our history guy, about that album on uh, that episode. Checked out that episode where I debate Tom. Is that what it's called? Mike debates yeah. Tom, something like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
and I it, like I still like the album quite a bit. Um, and then I didn't even mind the shitty '90s stuff that they did. <laughs> like the, I mean, I didn't like the last album so much, but with Strays, I didn't mind Strays. You hated it, but yeah. If my memory serves me correctly, I think like their most recent album, I was I was like not bad. I like. I like recent old man reunion albums. That's my that's my jam. I do not, and I didn't like that album at all. And I got the, some news: old Porn of Pyros. They, they are almost definitely releasing a new reunion EP this year. Yes, so they are. Stay tuned for a, a loose ends. And I, I don't know if you listened to the newest singles that came out. One of them a few days ago, as of this recording, and then the other ones um, a few months ago. Did you listen to the the new singles? I did not. I saw they were putting out a new EP. I was like, is it out? Because uh, I don't want to do a loose ends. I just want to get this one and done. Um, we're going to do loose ends. And I'm afraid yeah, to tell are. you, those singles fucking stunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but before we go too deep into that, what did you think about these albums? Uh, you know, I would say this is like a, cause there's only two, this is like a 50, 50 thing for me. Ah. Uh, yeah. What one album I, I liked quite a bit more than I thought I was going to enjoy. And then the other album, I was just like, what are, what are we doing here? I like Let's, them both a yeah, lot. <laughs> I should, I should rephrase that. I think one, it's not bad, but it just it kind of felt like it was in one like neutral milk hotel. Uh, oh. mode. no one. I neutral know, I know, I know, I know mode like the whole time. Like it's the one tempo and that's like every song's kind of the same, but well, yeah. if anybody's heard of any of these albums, they know exactly which one he's talking about. There's this is really hard to, to mix that one up. It's just, uh, it's the second one. <laughs> it's the second one. Everybody, we all know that, uh, I like both the albums quite a bit. Um, we're gonna we'll talk more in detail when we get to them. But uh, if you like Jane's Addiction, there's probably uh, a ninety nine percent chance you'll like this band. I mean, it's it's I, not that they're a one to one, but Perry's voice is so dominating, um, and the songs are different. It's a different songwriting style. It's a different. And, and Stephen Perkins is also drumming here. Um, he doesn't sound like Stephen Perkins on in this band, and no, it's, not it's at actually all. quite interesting. Yeah, um, for my memories, which are faulty, I thought they were very similar to Jane's Addiction, and I was pleasantly surprised that this is this is different enough. Yeah, it warrants a, it warrants a, a a different name. It warrants. A, I mean, it's a completely different band. It feel it feels like a different band, even though. Uh, there is a dominating thing that, that you, you're not going to not think of Jane's Addiction when you hear any of these songs. Even though it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like the same band, Perry just has the, the fucking voice. He just, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't not hear it. Uh, but we have a little, some notes here from our boy Tom Osmond. You should go help out and support and go follow him. Yes, yes, yes. He, has, um, he sent us some notes. One from janesaddiction.org, which I believe is a fan site. And um, a feature on Point for Pyro is from Spin in November 2023, so fairly recent. Might, might as well talk a little bit about it because he, uh, he, the way, because Tom has more, Tom is a big James Addiction fan, so he knows a lot, a lot of this stuff offhand. And this is what he says he says, apparently, they'd smoke crack, and then when they were coming down, they'd get in the rehearsal space and jam. 
If I remember right, the crack smoking was also a major contributor to Martin Lenoble getting axed from the band. Though when you've got multiple band members smoking crack, no doubt there will be differences of opinion as to where blame should be laid when shit goes south. So, uh, they have like the, a Metallica situation where they they love to drink, but they kick Dave Mustaine out for being an alcoholic. For being the most alcoholic, though, he was just the most of the bunch. That's the problem. You can be like, bad. Hey, you- hey, you don't out drink us. Exactly. Oh God! Uh, but he pulled the uh, Tom pulled the actual quote um, to just to prove that he's not talking out of his ass. Um, it's from Horrors and Oral Biography of Perry Farrell and Jane's Addiction. Um, and the the quote is, uh, <laughs> "Oh my God, dude! That's a good quote. Drugs, it's a good quote. If the drugs in Jane's Addiction was horrible, the situation with Porno for Pyro was was actually worse. Once again, <laughs> with a smile on his face, drummer Stephen Perkins found himself playing in a band of heroin and crack addicts. Worst offender was." was uh point of power basis martin lenoble who'd go on binges and disappear for weeks at a time even attempting suicide out of drug-fueled embarrassment jesus christ good god oh so <laughs> off to a hot start so was it that we said on the jane's addiction episode that they personified the la asshole rock band cliche in every possible facet they are. They have like douchebag tattoos. They wear <laughs> eyeliner. They wear. Navarro, sc- yeah. They wear scarves. Like. They get addicted to crack and heroin. <laughs> 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 it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> oh shit! But uh, Tom had adds a little bit of a, his personal experience. He says, "When I decided to learn to play bass in my late twenties, I modeled myself on two bass players." Andrew Weiss of Rollins Ben and Ween, uh, and Martin Lenoble. Maybe it was partly because they both seemed to enjoy meandering all over the fretboard. I, so I gotta say, Martin Lenoble is the fucking heart and soul of Point for Pyros. There is like excellent musicianship going on here. Um, and I did find myself gravitating more towards like drums and bass more often, like the guitar and vocals. It's such a rhythm centric band and it's, it feels really good. The bass lines are really incredible. Sometimes the bass lines are like the, the, uh, I guess you could say dominating. It's just, it's just the thing that you, that, that takes up most space in the mix. It's it's actually mixed super loud too. It's not even like, um, it's like almost like they know he's the star of the show. So, so, the, so they're cranking him on purpose. Um, Tom also says here, he says, I think I suggested once that you should do an episode of favorite crack smoking acts. Well, here's my crack smoking super group. I encourage Mike and Alex and all the listeners to play along. <laughs> so he says, uh, Dave Gahan's, uh, Gahan singing. Uh, he says he just tried it and didn't like it, but it still counts. Uh, DMX on rhymes, Martin Lenoble on bass, Herbie Hancock on keyboard, uh, James Monkey Schaefer from corn on guitar and Chris France on drums. And he says, I take this over Lincoln park any day of the week. <laughs> I actually want to hear that. I want to hear that band. Are you kidding? DMX with Herbie Hancock and Monkey? <laughs> Dude. It's going to sound like like Praxis. I don't know if you've ever listened to Praxis. No, no. Um, you've mentioned um, them before, though. Yeah. It's going to sound like Praxis, but insane and maybe bad. Probably bad. Probably bad, but it's still fun. I don't, I'm, a, I'm ashamed to say I don't, I don't know how many musicians are the uh, specialized in crack off the top of my head? 
I know I can't, I'm going to have to like next episode. I'm going to have to like, I think of like Whitney Houston. I think of, yeah, I think of Houston and by Rome. That's like the most obvious um, because it was talked about at least hilariously in, in pop culture over, over the course of many decades. Yeah. Uh, well, you could, you could go to drugabuse.com. <laughs> oh, is that re- is it a real site? Yeah, and they have Jesus 30 Christ. 30 musicians. Ozzy's had to do crack, right? There's of no course, way. Of course, he was a he was a child of the 80s. I mean, look at his hair in the 80s. Yeah. That's Amy Wine- smoking hair. Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse. Probably. Yeah. Anthony Anthony Kiedis. There's Anthony no way. Kiedis. I mean, he was Mr. Heroin and maybe he was Mr. Crack as well. <laughs> Pro- yeah, probably Bowie, probably. Maybe. I think he's more of a cocaine man. Yeah, like, I just, like just feel straight like, cocaine. I feel like Bowie's like done it all. Definitely done it all. All the stuff we don't like to talk about either. I was like <laughs> finding out like random like musicians use heroin. Like Ray Charles doesn't seem like. Oh, uh, you wouldn't. But you know. Yeah. Oh, how how do we leave off Flavor Flav? Flavor Flav oh. is <laughs> he's a mass- addiction personified. Yes, he's a mascot for crack cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. It's hard it's hard to believe he's so talented and he really is, but he does not let it be known. <laughs> it's almost like he's fighting you trying to make sure you never realize that he's talented. He's like, yeah. He's kind of like the Aussie of hip hop. I don't think he's gonna like or Lemmy, Lemmy for sure use crack. Oh, that's not surprising. Yeah. Uh, well, that's our it concludes our segment on crack. Uh, but I'm gonna research it next episode. I'll have my my crack cocaine super group. Good. I'm holding you to that. Yeah. Uh, so brief a brief backstory on the on the on the band. It's 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 just just from the wiki. It's pretty straightforward. It's just um that uh yeah after after Jen's addiction broke up, Harry Farrell and uh, Stephen Perkins formed formed the band um with Peter DeStefano on guitar and Marlon Noble on bass. And apparently Farrell named the band after seeing an ad for fireworks in a porno magazine. Uh, so, so it's pretty on the nose name for the band. Yeah. Yeah. So you might as well jump in the albums. Um, yeah. Like we said out the gate, pretty simple, just two albums. Yeah. First one came out in 1993, last one, 1996. But of course we're probably going to get an EP this year. So yeah, I guess we might as well get started. You ready? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. This is 1993's self-titled. The second this came on, my fears were put to rest immediately. I fucking love this. Yeah, I don't know if my fears were put to rest, but it was like a a nice surprise. That bass feels so buttery. And not to mention those drums. Yes. Perkins is the man. I wish he was in other bands. Yeah. course perry sounds just like perry yes does it does it miss a beat yep well looking at the credits for this album 
I found out there's a, a person named Skate Master Tate. Skate Master Tate? Skate Master Tate. Skate Master Tate. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So I'm, I, I imagine this is the one you don't care for. No, this is the one I like. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I was making a joke at the beginning saying, like, obviously we know which one he's talking about. And I didn't. I got it wrong. What the fuck is happening? You got it wrong. <laughs> this one rules. I I agree. But I, <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> so, yeah. all right. Well, now I'm very confused because this is this one is like the most Jeans Addiction East album that they have. I mean, out of the two, this is this is it's distinct, but it's still super. It sounds like Jane's Addiction. I think it's more dreamier and spacey and more like rooted in psychedelia where like yes. Jane's Addiction and maybe even like funk. Yeah, I'll throw funk in there too. Like Jane's Addiction, I feel like they dabbled in those things, but they have like they have their sound. Yeah, they're a rock band through and through. Still, they're still alt metal. Is still rock. They have they're a guitar centered band. Yes, and these guys feel like rhythm centered. Yes, and yeah, I just really thought this was like a cool little like snapshot of how weird and awesome like alternative music in the nineties was. Yep. The songs are short and sweet and digestible but I don't find them shallow. And I think it's due to the like performances of the rhythm section. Like there's yeah, always, these are like snappy songs you can play for normal people, but like for music nerds, you can go back and you can catch a little something every time. It's it's surprisingly deep. It's really cool. Um, when I say like the rhythm section dominates, uh, one, Steven is not playing the way he plays in Jane's Addiction at all. He's he's no. way more tribal kind of stuff. The drums he's playing sound completely. I don't know if there's like it sounds like Roto Toms and and fucking Timbales. I, mean, I don't think it is. I don't know what it is really. It, but it could this be that they're tuned really like really tight, really tight, really high, yeah. and uh, it's a really fucking cool sound. It, it makes it feel extra percussive. And I think he's even credited. He might. I might be misremembering, but I thought he was credited as percussion and not drums. Yes, um, drums, no, and no, he, drums and both. percussion. Never mind. Yeah. Um, but it feels way more percussive, and that gives it a, a feel just that uh, Jane's Addiction didn't have. And then the bass lines, they're so, uh, like I said in the when the song is playing, they're buttery as hell, real slidey, real, real groovy, real dominating. Uh, it's fucking nice. Yeah, because. There's some good bass lines in, in uh, Jane's Addiction, but not, Definitely. not like this. This is a whole new thing. This is... Uh, yeah. Um, on uh, the title track, we get some, some really plucky slap bass. Yes, very like very busy on the, the hand drums going on there. That one has more of a like hard rock feel to it when the main chorus kicks in. Yeah, I, I love the chorus. I don't love the main riff so much, but I dig the chorus a lot. Um, and then the, it introduces it on that track, but it happens a few times in the album. That harmonica, that really oh, squeaky, weird ass harmonica. It's they always just like dip their toes in the water with harmonica. It's never like 
okay, this is the harmonica section or like, they don't go fucking annoying blues travelers, travelers <laughs> with it. Like I'm sort of like, because neither of us are a big fan of the harmonica sound, the sound of the harmonic, like the way it's traditionally used in blues. It's hard to pull off folk. I don't like, I just, it's never been my thing, but when it's done stupid and weird like this, it's fucking interesting at least. Yeah. I think that also has to do with the, these like soundscapes that they're, they're making. And I don't want to call it a wall of sound because it is very much like these musicians. It's not like a, um, what's the wall of sound guy who, uh, Uh, Phil Spector. Yeah. It's not like a Phil Spector wall of sound, but (laughs) these very like full things where you're like, do they have like nine guys in this band? There's a lot of stuff happening. Um, but it's it's usually pretty interesting. It's never it's never um it feels in, it ends up registering as more psychedelic than it, it does as experimental in any kind of way. Yeah, I th- I think Miha on top of being like a funny word um and a funny is it Miha because it's like uh I think you're pronouncing it Miha like like a Spanish that looks like like Indian or like, a, oh, like when um, I was listening to like it Hindi I or something sw- I swore he said. I swore, I swore he said Miha. Um, I hope it is. <laughs> that's what we used to call uh, men we didn't like in the hood. <laughs> little, little bitch boys. Little, little bitch boy, little bitch Miha. Yeah. Um, and then I thought it was because a, a large source or inspiration for this album was the LA riots. So I'm like, of course it's Miha. Like, Maybe. It's, it's not how you spell Miha in, in Spanish. Well, yeah. Uh, they didn't... Uh, Maybe they just didn't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm calling it Miha, if uh, anyone right. knows. Miha. Um, <laughs> I like I like this, like, it's a real tight-ass snare drum. I like mm-hmm. invoking, like, reggae elements without going full reggae. Yeah. And then this, bringing in the saxophone. It's just all these elements I normally don't like. And it's a really nice song. It's a great song. I, I mean, I really love that bass line to it. Uh, Martin's carrying so much weight. I mean, he carries a lot of weight in the band in general, but that was when I start, it started kind of to click with me in real, and I started realizing it. And I also really dig Perry's choices on that one. I mean, it's just the same kind of stuff you do in Jane's Addiction, but if it's a cool style, it, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 it actually works. Even though I mean, we, we already talked about the title track a little bit, but I don't like, I think it's a fine song, but I, I kind of don't like it as a track too. I think it brings down the pacing a bit. Um, mm. But that's like the is, only hiccup I have in the whole album. It is a more like high energy song than anything else on the album really it just, i just felt it, it it i think i don't know what it is what it was about it. it just seemed to like throw me off the second that one came on but everything else um because after the after miha we got uh cursed female which is when the when they really start to lean into the groovy and psychedelic a little bit yeah Almost jammy big like big drums heavy guitars yep. um I think there's some melodica on there has a darker feel to it than uh, a lot of other things. And then it is an interesting contrast to like curse male where it's like heavy funk guitars up yeah. drums. And then like Perkins Perkins is killing it on that song. Oh yeah. Sounds fantastic. Real tribally. The stuff he's doing um, a lot more. I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of like, wah pedal on, on the guitar and stuff. And it's it's it's, it's a very groovy groovy thing. Um, that song felt 
I mean, the most one of the one of the songs that I felt the most like Jane's Addiction. It's uh, out of the rest of the songs, it's a little bit less psychedelic. Jamie, it's more alt metal, um, mm-hmm. but it, it has like a hopefulness to it. And the, the intro is very weird. I mean, it's like almost childlike vocals. Uh, I think it's Perry, but it sounds kind of retarded. It's cute. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah, it sounds fucking goofy. It's probably Perry. Yeah, um, but still, it's a solid song. Um, Pets. You know, I think it's if, like the only the first notable low point. I still like it as a song, but if I had to guess what song was the single from here, I would have got it wrong because I never would have guessed it was Pets. I can't believe it's Pets. I think it's the weakest song on the album. I mean, I'm it's fine just, with it, but it, like the weird lyrics are like cool and interesting, but like man, what a beautiful time the '90s were, where Pets could become a hit song. Uh, it's '90s. Man, the the older I get, the more I'm like the '90s were where it's at, and, and it's <laughs> yeah had songs about humans becoming pets to aliens. Like that's pretty yeah. good stuff. It's pretty it's good, good stuff. stuff. Uh, really, I mean, unsurprisingly, awesome rhythm section on on bad shit. Dude, uh, bad, really good yeah. energy. Really, like really frantic stuff going on there. Awesome song. Pack and twenty five. Pack twenty five rules. Yeah, bringing in the funk in a big way that other songs maybe this kind of dabble dude it's that that chorus is insanely primacy it sounds just like herald of the rocks um or like it reminds me a lot of it that that is like the primus section of the album because like i feel like blood raid could have been a primus song as well oh yeah i mean it's it's it is alt. i mean i guess it can be considered alt metal and yeah jeans addiction and primus were the two ones that along with faith no more i guess basically helped invent it but it fucking rules uh and yeah i think pack in 25 was just a, a really good example of this the psychedelic stuff the, the hints of eastern influence um it's not mm-hmm. super prominent but you can tell it's there uh black girlfriend feels great it's way more mellow and laid back um it's just nice and then it goes into this like really funky break around uh 250 another with another ridiculous harmonica solo thing the the lyrics to that song did kind of make me laugh this like trying to envision a young perry Farrell like spitting game all he does uh, is talk about wanting to bang everybody i mean it's like his one thing <laughs> he, do- he does not discriminate no <laughs> the man will fuck anything <laughs> white women asian women black women underage yeah. women it's all it's all fair game yep hide your kids hide your, hide your wife <laughs> whatever <laughs> Getting back to the music, I think orgasm is the most like psychedelic thing on Easily. here. Yeah. yeah. Love another one where you get like cool hand drums. Uh, again, amazing bass. Just like the guitar players really tapping into like psychedelic sounds on there. Spacey it's feedback. A- yeah. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. I mean, I don't find the writing of it to be super memorable. I think a lot of the other ones have stronger hooks and riffs, but it feels good. It's like a, it's clearly meant to be like a vibe song. It's a great closer for that. For sure. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think that's like good placement for it on the album, like right at the end. It's a, it's a, it's a nice, gentle closer. It's nothing like, it's not, the, it's not an epic of any kind. It's not a super crazy long 12 minute experimental psychedelic piece. It just does what it just does. It, it does it well. It does it fine. It's mm-hmm. a nice little, I mean, the whole album is not really like trying to break any new ground. It's just making uh, really digestible, digestible, but dense songs. I think it works. I like it yeah. a lot. 
it's it's funny how for its time this wasn't like new ground but if a band did this now it'd be like you guys are crazy yeah (laughs) yeah these days uh, whatever (laughs) 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 defeated uh but i I dig it i mean it's distinct from i find to be it's distinct from jane's addiction but for this album just barely like it's mostly the rhythm section that's making it feel like a different band Mm -hmm. um I think Martin steals a show and Steven is, is venturing out in ways I was never expecting. Um, and I still like Perry's voice. Guitar is doing its things fine. It's not, it's not, um, it's not really a guitar band. So it's just, it doesn't, it, it's just, it's nothing is bad here. I would say nothing is bad here. Yeah. I, it's, I think it's like a, a very cool side of like Perkins and, and uh, yeah, I was not expecting to like this album as much as I did. I wasn't, I wasn't either. I mean, I wasn't expecting you to, I, I felt like I was probably going to at least enjoy it a little bit, um, but yeah. it came out digging it quite a bit. According to the Jane's Addiction website, this album was delayed due to issues with the album's artwork, which, like Jane's Addiction's albums before it, was based on a sculpture created by Perry Farrell. It, it actually does look like a sculpture um, in a very uh, primacy way, actually. It actually looks like yeah. a primus-type cover. It does. It could be claymation, but... Yeah, I mean, if it was made from a sculpture, I, I'm sure it was some sort of clay-like substance. Um, it was made of crack, but uh, it goes crack on to say, and clay. yeah, it goes on to say that the main point of contention about the cover between Perry and Warner Brothers Records was the inclusion of a swastika inside a Jewish Star of David on the side of the rocket. And also, um, this website, there is a lot of like uh, maybe incorrect words, maybe typos or just incorrect bad grammar i don't i don't know it just seems wrong but it goes yeah. on to say it says the two disparaging symbols and tom says i think they mean disparate um combined are apparently a universal sign of peace although this is not well known tom very reasonably uh, says here uh, i've heard that before but come on i feel like it doesn't take a great amount of awareness to realize that using a swastika and saying oh i meant it as a peace sign isn't going to get you very far <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah you know like yes a lot of a lot of people know, you know, it was like a, a Hindu Indian yeah. symbol, but you know the Nazis, the Nazis ruined it, and it's a, it's a fucking swastika now. It's uh, the same way my, they ruined the tiny mustache. Yeah, ex- unless you're in Sparks, then unless you know. you're in Sparks and your name is Ron Mail, or one a, yeah, <laughs> one of one of my favorite things uh the drummer for mastodon braun said was uh phil collins did to genesis what uh hitler did to the swastika symbol <laughs> that's fucking gnarly it's <laughs> all right i'm not gonna disagree with the man it's like the worst thing what it's worst the most things. harsh insult you could possibly give someone <laughs> he really fucking hates phil collins genesis good i mean i don't i'm not a, i've never been a fan like ever fucking but, invisible touch come on miss me with that shit but uh it goes on to say right here in the end a drawing of a devil head was substituted for the symbol on the side of the rocket the sculpture itself apparently was destroyed after it caught fire and exploded shortly after being photographed due to a malfunction in one of the fireworks being used i i love that this like it became its namesake yeah absolutely it, yeah. it, it literally exactly um and also this is kind of neat it says several the, neat and, and kind of expected it says several of the songs included on this album have their origins as jane's addiction songs both blood rag and bad shit began as interludes 
during Pigs and Zen. The songs were never recorded and released by Janes and remained uncompleted. I don't think uncompleted is, a, is an actual word until Point of Empires recorded and released them. A little bit of a swans, swansness there where the songs came from jamming out in the middle of other songs. Uh, but we got one more to go. So I should probably pull that up if I'm going to start introducing it. Shit. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hell yes. This is the follow-up and at this point, last full-length album. This came out in 1993. I lost it. Crap. There it is. This is 1993's Good, Good God's Urge. <laughs> Already bringing in those Eastern percussions. Yeah, yeah really weird instrument choices. Because the albums were so short, I was able to like listen to them back to back. Yeah, and this does feel like a continuation of like what Orgasm was doing. Yep. the like all-star lineup on this oh there's a lot of good guests on here yeah perry's way more gentle too this is such a strange choice for an opener i mean holy crap i was i'd be okay with it but I feel like this is the whole album. I'm okay with it. Okay. I don't think it's a good opener, but I think it's a good song. I love this. And those bass lines are real good, real interesting. And yeah, that's David J from Love and Rockets playing bass on this. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I dig it. So this is the one you don't like. I don't like this one. I love this one. I think I like it so much more than the other one. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, this, <laughs> It's not bad, but like I said, it's it. This feels like so much of the same thing to me. That oh, I don't know how you feel that way. This is such a diverse album. It's insanely diverse. It's, it's I, a fucking weird album. I wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't feeling it. Like, I was oh, fine. You're crazy. Yeah, I was fine with Porpoise Head because I'm like, this is the beginning. It's definitely like channeling an aquatic feel to it. Um, yeah. And I was like ready to go. And then I, this like, would find myself like drifting off. Although I suppose it is a, it is an album you can drift off to. It is. It's extremely psychedelic. It's it's way more psychedelic than the other one, and it's way the they're going absolutely nutty on all the instrumentation. So you open up with Porpoisehead, which is a fucking already. It's a weird song, and then uh, they they follow it up with a hundred ways, which is uh, it's acoustic driven. It has like this really. I mean, it has this acoustic guitar tones. Really sounds like Sap from Alice in Chains. Mm-hmm. It's a very nineties acoustic guitar tone. Yeah, I felt really? very like underwhelmed by that song, but it does do this cool thing around the two minute 215, mark. Two fifteen, yeah, yeah. I can only describe it as like a very nineties break. Like it's just you would never hear a a bridge or a break like that in a song these days. 
it's the drums sound electronic, which was a thing in the nineties where they had <laughs> the fast electronic sounding drums, but it has, it's a really fun and themic sing along kind of, kind of section. Uh, I dig it a lot. And I, I actually even like the trumpets on there. I think they sound fun. Um, yeah. But the yeah. percussion is really where it's at. Yeah. There's like, there's a lot of instruments going on, but it's never like overwhelming. I think it's done very tastefully um, on, on Tahitian moon. It's, uh, it does it on a few tracks, but where it starts bringing in a real 60s feel. Um, mm-hmm. It feels way more 60s than alt metal, especially the drums on, on the verses. It's odd, but it, I mean, it's, I think it's pretty cool. I, I have a soft spot for that kind of thing. Um, and it also has another big anthemic chorus with more acoustic guitars. It feels good. I don't, I don't love the writing so much, but it just feels nice. Um, but on that song, at around two minutes, you have this fucking gorgeous, like almost flamenco section. It's like mm-hmm. one of the most musical uh i think it's the most like one of the most musical moments they've ever done um on both albums it's fucking i love it yeah like this song being a single makes sense to me more than like pets does for sure but it's like stuff like that that's like it wasn't there's nothing even remotely close to that on on the debut so i'm completely on board with that i love it i love it i guess to be fair like it is cool that they aren't trying to like replicate that first album at all. This is a a different animal altogether. Completely, the first one feels like it feels like they're trying to learn how to not be Jane's Addiction, and mm-hmm. this is just a completely different band entirely. Okay, I already know that you hate Kimberly Austin. Hell yeah, I do. Yeah, I called that one a mile away. Okay, I like it. I don't think it's cringy at all. I like it. <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't. I don't hate it because I think it's cringy. I'm just like, oh, we have another Jane very <laughs> light. Br- no, I think I like it more than Jane says. All right. I'll take that. <laughs> like, I would listen to this album over a lot of Jane's Addiction albums. I mean, I would too. It's only because I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I wasn't offended. I, I was this as I usually. You should, I'm, I'm bored. Like if oh. someone had it, if someone had it on in the car, I wouldn't be like, turn this shit off. It's, fu- it's fine. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, when Kimberly Austin comes on, I'm like, oh, cool. More light breezy stuff. Like, I guess oh. that's just, you're not was- thinking about what it's doing more on an <laughs> intricate level, Alex. Cause this, cause you're saying, oh, it's just another boring breezy thing. I felt that to be a nice uh, diverse shift in the album, like a, a nice uh, mm-hmm. pacing choice because, because it go, it's the first thing to go full acoustic. Okay. Was pleasantly surprised by thick of it all. Cause I that, was hoping you'd say that at least that because it rules that song kind of doesn't belong here. <laughs> I think it, I mean, maybe not, but I think it rules. It, it has this very like eighties goth vibe to it. Yep. It's the, darkest and moodiest thing they've ever done it is very cool i was not expecting a song like that it's just it's yeah it's that was a nice surprise totally it's darker both tonally and in timbre like the instruments they have they're like mixed with a lot of mids um and then the the big giant echoey echoey drums feel and there's even like some fucking super nintendo sounding guitars on there which which is very (laughs) interesting it's hypnotic i think it's absolutely beautiful um and then you get another complete tone shift with a title track, and we got some Mike Watt playing bass on that one. Hell yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, sorry, title tracks. This. 
You don't like the Todd Drago? It does. I do like when it eventually gets heavy and weird. Around two minutes, it gets uh, it picks up like in a very garage rock kind of way. Yes, I think but, I think that feels great. But when it's like the same tempo as the rest of the album, and this kind of like where you're getting bored is where I'm finding the the like the depth in the songwriting. Like, yeah, you, you're you just uh, twice now. You, you said like, all right, it's boring, but then at this one section at the end, then it picks up. See, like I see that as oh, this song has range. The song is moving, and it's it's not just sticking with one thing the whole. So I'm always like. These songs always kind of catch me off guard and do something I'm not expecting, so I end up liking it a lot more. That's a, that's a fair assessment. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll, I'll eat crow about this album. but Maybe, but maybe not. Not today. Not, not today. today. Uh, I love Wishing Well. I think it's pulled off super well. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's There's another one that feels super 60s, but uh, I think it's a highlight. I feel like it's one of my favorite songs on here, actually. I think the highlight for that song for me is there's this, what I can only describe as anxious guitar playing going on in the mm-hmm. background. And it's this very, very cool. Um, usually not a fan of flutes, but they made flutes work. Hell yeah. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's a super ethereal, very spacey. There's hints of darkness and sadness, but it's not like not overly so. It's not super. It's not like a dreary, sad song. Mm-hmm. Um it's just it's just an it's got an interesting emotion to it. I like it a lot. Uh, and then the first alt metal song on that whole album is "Dogs Roll the Night." That's my second favorite song on here. It's fucking great. I love it. Oh, it, it, it feels even better that we haven't had any alt, alt metal on here, and then it comes in like past the halfway point like that. It's yeah. It's the only time it picks up some steam. Um, nice like bass playing who plays bass on this song okay oh, yeah, yeah that question. is that is martin so he's yeah martin yeah that kind of feels like his last hurrah um <laughs> yeah i was looking at i didn't realize how much shit that he how much shit he's done or who he's played with uh i didn't know he was i mean i never listened to Thelonious monster because bob forrest annoys me as a guy uh, just the way he looks and talks I've never um, even heard of that band until right oh, now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he also played with The Cult, um, Dave, Dave Gahan, like Tom mentioned uh, earlier, um, Scott up. Wayland, Mark Lanigan, Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin. Yep. In the, Tom Morello, Lance the, Daly. In the eyes of an angel. Indeed. Uh, and, and, fun fact, he's married to Christina Applegate. What? No way. Yep. Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> I love these, like, weird interesting connections and like weird bands dating actresses or directors yep. like in red cross we had like the the sofia oh, coppola sofia Co- yeah steve steve was dating sofia coppola <laughs> that's fucking crazy it's it's insane really or yeah and even she posed like, naked on the cover of the best album there you go or even like yeah even like andrew wk and kat dennings is like insane oh yeah me. i forgot about that that, yeah. That's one of my most quotable lines when I was talking about Andrew WK and Kat Dennings. Oh, yeah, vi- yeah, yeah. Good vibes and big titty wives. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, shit. After that, we have Freeway, which, first of all, we got fucking Flea on bass and Dave Navarro on guitar, so it's very close to just being Gene's Addiction. Yes, I do. I think that's like some of my 
like favorite Dave Navarro guitar playing that I've heard ever. Although I can't say outside of Shane's addiction to be an expert on it, but it's yeah. this really interesting spastic fuzzy feel to it. It's this really cool. And the, the song is like this weird, like experimental new wave song. It's fucking nuts. I, I don't know yeah. what the hell this, this song is. I mean, there's, it goes through a lot of changes, but like out the gate, it has this really manufactured, sterile sounding drums, uh, which is, it, it's not aged well, but it goes in, it has all kinds of bizarre changes. I mean, really warm, the really form fuzzy guitar lines, um, which they do sound really good. Um, I can't tell if that's a second bass on there or something because it's, I, I, I really can't tell. It's really interestingly uh. mixed. I guess if there's a second bass flea, would it's like an overdub thing because I don't yeah. see. Yeah, I don't know if it is. I I wouldn't I wouldn't bet too much that it is, but it just has a lot like really really fat sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the choruses are really big and simple, and they feel really good. But the solo section is when the nuttiness comes in. The the beat boops, silly sand, oh, silly yeah. samples. I think I think it might be dual basses. I still can't tell, but it sounds like it. I don't know what the hell's happening there. Yeah, that's why that's why I was like, oh, this is like kind of like they've been listening to like Kraftwerk and Devo, and and then this song yeah. came out. It's funny those those beat boops. I swear, this is going to be the most random fucking nonsensical reference but i it sounds like the same fucking beat boops there's an episode of futurama (laughs) it's from the first season i think i think it's from season one they're going to some bar it's like maybe episode three or four from the season one they're going to some bar and the music that had you know the transition music the fucking um b-roll transition uh yeah one of those has those fucking beep boops they sound just like them and if they aren't maybe, them it's pretty close maybe that's like the wilhelm scream of that's what electronic I'm thinking. noises like it's like <laughs> it's like a sample like a stock sample that they use or something because yeah um maybe it's not them but it sounds i mean it's a it's a funny sound it's not like a cool it's a silly texture it is but you know they they pulled it off somehow I think it works. I, it's a strange song, but I, I do like it. Uh, and then it, it, it closes with, with Bali Eyes. And that's another wild shift in tone compared to the track before it. Back to more mellow acoustic stuff. Yeah, open and close the same way for me, which uh, on paper makes sense. But personally, wish they had done something else. But I don't mind it. I like it. I actually liked it more on second listen. Um, Really funky bass, even though it has a bunch of mellow acoustic guitars driving it. Mm-hmm. But it kind of like how Orgasm did in the last album. It really leans into the psychedelic stuff. Um, and at, toward the end, drums come in to fill everything out. But it's it's my least favorite track, and it ends extremely anticlimactically. I mean, it ends bizarrely quickly, but I still think it's like a nice, pleasant track. Bad closer, but but a good song. Yeah, what a what a way to like. That's that's all you fans get for 20, 30 years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I found it to be a step forward in basically every way. It's fucking weird. It's goofy, experimental. It's kooky. It's pretty. It's got a lot of depth to it, but uh, as you can tell, it's not for everybody. But mm-hmm. it's it's short. It's worth a listen, and I like it 
I like it more than a lot of Jane's addictions discography. So interesting. So for this album, hilariously, this website says this album saw numerous delays, much attributed to difficulties with the album cover artwork. Again, again, <laughs> again. Uh, it says the woman featured on the cover of this album is Christ- Christine Cagle, a former girlfriend of Perry Farrell and the mother of his oldest son, Yobel. His, his son's name is Yobel. I Yobel. I was so caught up on her name being Cagle. Like, do you think Cagle, she? Yeah. Does, do you think she does those exercises? I think she does not in protest of people probably saying that all the time. Probably. I'm all about low-hanging fruit here, so. <laughs> Maybe. I wonder if he's even pronounced that. I'm more, I'm, what the? Yobel. I Yobel. think he invented that fucking word and named his son that. It almost sounds Yiddish. Yobel. Yeah. Yobel. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, it says, at the time the band began working on this album, original bassist Marty Lenoble, they're calling him Marty here, uh, was still in the band. After his departure, the band invited several artists to fill in. Selm sees Point of Pirates collaborate with the band Love and Rockets, Flea and Dave Navarro, who's still playing with Flea and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and legendary bassist Mike Watt, hell yes, who would go on to remain with the band for much of the GGU tour. I didn't know Mike, was, Mike Watt was a part of this tour. I had no idea. That's like the most interesting thing about this yeah. episode to me. <laughs> it's super interesting. Anything that he's a part of, I automatically like, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. Yep, he's such a fun dude, and I, I, mean, I genuinely like his solo stuff too. Um, yet I still never heard Firehose. That's the band I saw. Um, he opened up for the Chili Peppers. Uh huh. That makes back, sense. Way back when Firehose opened up for Chili Peppers, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and Firehose is is two thirds Minutemen, and George Hurley, the drummer, is literally one of my favorite drummers of all time. And I, yeah. I still have not given them a shot. Um, it's just dragging my feet, I guess. Um, so it goes on to say, well, well, this was the first time since their Jane's Addiction days that Perry Farrell and Dave Navarro appeared on the same album. Dave's contribution to the song Freeway was recorded at a time Perry Farrell was not in the studio. Lee and Dave uh, Nate Navarro would rejoin P, uh, P, P4P. Man, this, this is inconsistent writing. Uh, for the end of the GGU tour, this album was originally intended to be called Hard Charger, but was eventually changed. The song Hard Charger, I think, was on the Private Parts soundtrack. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what it says. Forgot yeah. that movie existed. I forgot. I remember seeing it when I was, I mean, way young and thinking it was the funniest thing ever. I have, I don't think, I have a hunch it doesn't hold up. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, when you're a kid, that was like a thing. People like doing things with their butts, like Ace Ventura and Howard Stern. Yeah. and. Dude, the 90s ruled. You could just have just <laughs> talking butts, and that was it. That was the joke. That was peak comedy right there. So I guess I guess Dave Navarro and uh, and Flea worked with Perry in the room. So I uh, guess not quite as uh, contentious, I suppose. So they split they split when uh, when Jane's Addiction reformed in ninety seven. But they uh reunited in twenty twenty for a Lollapalooza live stream with Mike Watt, which is delightful i hope Re- he, I, want, I want him to get paid real real quick there was a brief reunion for uh feral's 50th birthday party in in 20 i'm so used to saying 20 uh 2009 oh okay i remember reading that um i, I, I forgot which which year it was though that sounds fun <laughs> reuniting for your birthday i guess that sounds that sounds fun yeah and and then uh now we're now we're caught up 
Yeah, and in 2022, this piece says, yeah, in 2022, the band's original lineup reunited for its first show in 25 years. In September 2022, Point of Empire worked on new songs. Uh, Farrell says would have been on the band's third album had it gotten that far back in the day. He admits he wasn't healthy at the time. And Tom notes here, a wee bit too fond of the glass pipe, perhaps. Uh, and combined yep. with DeStefano's cancer battle, the timing didn't work uh, for Point of Empire to stay together at that point. I don't. I don't think he's ever healthy. Like, yeah, if it's not drugs, it's fucking Botox. Or have you seen his face lately? Or syphilis or something, dude. He's got so much work done on his face. It's it's weird. He's he's almost Simon Cowell levels of fucking plastic surgery. I that's that's not surprising. No, he se- no, it's not. <laughs> seems like a very vain individual insanely but he does got a cool voice <laughs> got a cool voice holy shit he looks he looks like a like a wax like a wax version of himself like you yeah. got a madam to sows or whatever yeah sows to sows sows is it so i don't know he he he's yeah it's why did, uh, man I money's I'm crazy to, i'm just gonna say money's crazy yeah because i'm i, I want to say like maybe i'm just not meant to understand that because i don't have that kind of money but also you know you know it looks worse right than <laughs> if you just got old like, then this aging gracefully yeah. yeah um so this uh this piece in them says in february the group started recording at johnny depp's studio in hollywood and evolved the materials more cumbersome arrangements into something crisper and more melodic with the same bite as earlier porno songs, Agua was the first track released from the collection. And I'll tell you right now, that song sucks. I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Chris, uh, the bite of early, No, it, it doesn't. It sucks. There's no bite. There's no bite. <laughs> there's no bite. There's no bite. Where's the bite? I don't know. <laughs> is, this a, is this Seinfeld listening to it? <laughs> I know. Where's the bite? There's no bite. Uh, and then Tom knows he. Tom says there's two more singles, Pete's Dad and Little Me are online. An EP should be coming sometime in 2024, plus a final tour. Let's see if that final tour ends up being as final as all those final Public Enemy tours. Or Rolling Stones or Kiss or whoever. Dude, yeah, Rolling Stones are, like, there's no there's no reason. Just fucking stop. Stop, please. Love of God. But, yeah, I, I, I didn't like um well pete's dad was had moments that were okay but still was overall kind of blind and then little me is a little bit more energetic it's fine i don't hate it but i don't think it's that great nothing even comes close to anything on any of the albums none of them but yeah well whatever we'll see as long as mike mike watt's getting paid I'll, i'm fine with it. <laughs> whatever <laughs> that's all that matters it's it's all it's all just say yeah it's all just a, a scam to make sure Mike Watt gets gets paid well. <laughs> he needs to get paid for the fucking for for getting screwed so hard with the Jackass theme. And I was thinking about it recently, like because I remember seeing an, uh, reading an interview with him years and years ago, saying that he never saw a dime for it, and and just thinking about the legality and how easily it would be to sue Jackass for that. It's the cr- it's ob- it's obvious. It w- that SST just stole the money. It's so obvious. Like, yeah, anyone who hears that song is gonna go, "That's the jackass." jackass. It's yeah. so Except synonymous. Me, <laughs> yeah, it's so synonymous with jackass. It's insane. It's not even. It's like it's almost transcended jackass. 
as something jackass like like mm. you can make it's, it's become so prominent with like the beginning of someone doing something stupid like that's, <laughs> that's the sound you hear it's a it's a verb now <laughs> yeah it's amazing uh but i'm pretty i because wasn't sst like stealing a bunch of money from all their artists i forget what it i, I forget think i think it, i think they were and that has to be one of the the biggest ones i mean oh to license that thing and after how dude. how big it got dude it, yeah oh god so in other words mike watt deserves it he deserves all of it he's been through so much he almost died from having a fucking cyst in his taint i mean that's that really happened that's a real thing ah, man and then someone in here had testicular cancer too yep steven 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 yeah. perkins did yeah pull through though fellas if you're over 40 Get your colon checked. Get your balls checked. Get your tank checked. Get your checked. prostate. Yep. yep. Get it all checked. I get mean, up in that get, ass, Larry. Get up get in that ass. ass because we're not we're not going to be here forever. All right. Just try to do what you can. <laughs> but thank you so much for listening and watching. This is uh, this has been a this is actually this is very nice fun. I mean, doing it over Skype is always uh, a little iffy, especially when we haven't done it in a long time. We have to refigure out how to do it. But yeah, this this is this is this is not bad. This is an easy discography. Fun stuff. Yeah, it's a different vibe, so we try to give our listeners, uh, you know, a smaller, more digestible thing. Save, save the good stuff for in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the whatever we, if we can do something nice and big in person, we will. If not, then we'll. Yeah, this this is fine. But yeah, the, like the past two weeks, we've had like nice short little episodes. Before that, we had two massive giant motherfuckers back to back. So this is, I think, is nice in between. I I enjoy I enjoyed my time despite not loving uh, the second album. I enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I may hit the guy, but god damn it, he can put out some good tunes. At least he did in the nineties and late eighties. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for listening, and watching, and hanging out. If you want to support us, you know what to do: like the video, subscribe, talk some shit in the comments. You, yeah, all that. Follow me on all social media at Pounder Monkey and Alex on Instagram at Every Album Alex. And please check out and follow our history guy, Tom Osmond at Tom Osmond Sounds on all social media, as well as TomOsmondSounds.com for all his music and TomOsmond.substack.com for his podcast, uh, where he interviews a bunch of cool musicians. And uh, he also writes, writes about music. He interviews musicians both in print and in the, on the podcast. He's a busy man. He's, he's lining up those interviews. It's pretty, pretty fucking cool. So go there, do that. Check out my EP, Pounder Monkey. There's a link to that in the description. It's very cool. Thank you. And last but not least, patreon.com slash every album ever. That is where you go, baby. You get to, you get some bonus episodes. You get to see our schedule in advance. You get to vote on polls to decide who we cover next. You get to be a part of our Discord, be a part of our community, and as well as suggest episodes for our EAE singles episodes. So if an album came out this year and you want us to talk about it, throw it in there and we'll pick it out and do an episode. If you're tier two, you're bigger than Jesus, then you can suggest a full-ass discography for us to cover on these bigger, longer, numbered episodes. Uh, and as well, in addition to that, you can uh, suggest any album from any discography for us to talk about and cover on our Patreon bonus episodes. There's plenty there to do, plenty to enjoy. Go do that. Uh, I think that about does it. So, yes, sir. what are we wrapping it up with? I I feel like you know this is this is your cross to bear. Hmm. Well, you know what? Why the hell not do 
a little, a little, well, let's do pack of 25. All right. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So thank you so much for listening and watching. See ya. Yesterday 